Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Get up to 30% off wedding jewelry at bluenile.com. And remember the joy of your wedding day forever. Blue Nile offers everything from diamond and lab-grown diamond wedding bands to classic pearls, earrings you can design yourself, even gorgeous sapphire pieces for your something blue. Whatever you choose, Blue Nile's pieces are all graded for excellence, for a lasting memento as brilliant as the love that inspired it. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome to the Friday Special, a podcast by Guitar Nerds. Now for 2020, the Friday Special series is running every week and each week I have a new guest from the world of guitars, amplification and effects pedals. We're going to have brands and producers, 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 musicians and luthiers. I'm your host, Joe Branton, joined by our special guest, luthier and founder of Scatterbrain Concepts or SBC Guitars, Stuart Robson. Hello, Stuart, and welcome to the show. Oh, hi, man. Thank you so much for having me on your show, first of all. Oh, you uh, are absolutely welcome. It's, uh, it, it's uh, like I said before, I, I've been listening to these Friday specials and really enjoying them. And I, there's been a bit of me that's been really hoping that you would invite me on to <laughs> chat because it's always a pleasure to chat with you anyway from when we've chatted at shows and such. So yeah. very excited to be here. Oh, thank you very much. No, it is great to have you on the show because there's such an interesting story behind the brand as well. And yes, absolutely, with with the Friday specials, I'm trying, I'm kind of trying to get round to everyone I know in in the industry, which is, you know, which from the amount of time I've been doing it is is so many people. And every now and again, I'll just be sort of, you know, I don't know, like sitting around or lying in bed or something, and I'll be like, oh, I need to, I need to ask them. So, um, so yeah, so thank you very much for for coming on. Uh, the show. I believe this this episode's going out uh, the the week after our Friday special with Katie Tunstall as well. So quite a quite quite a different one, moving from uh, sort of popularized looper artist into kind of ergonomic super luthier. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> quite quite a quite a change. But uh, for for listeners, if you're not familiar with SBC and all the wonderful things that they're doing. Um, SBC or scatterbrain concepts. Which which one do you prefer? Is it is it supposed to be SBC and it's just that it, it it means scatterbrain concepts? Yeah, it, I I changed it a couple of years ago from scatterbrain. Con- Basically, when when I started actually when it started making money, I stopped being scatterbrain concepts. <laughs> right, I see. Because uh, okay. I just thought SBC sounded a little bit more professional, it's a um, bit more concise. I mean, I love scatterbrain concepts. I think that's a great name, but definitely SBC is slightly more concise and obviously fits a little better on the headstock as well. Uh, yeah there is that yeah <laughs> but yes for for listeners who uh, aren't familiar with SBC um SBC guitars are a custom shop guitar company who focus um well who your focus is is to challenge the the core concepts behind guitar building you know such as 
um, the reliance on particular woods, conventions of shape, and uh, really a, a design focus uh, on mass manufacture rather than playability. So Stuart builds ergonomic artistically sculpted, often wood-focused instruments that all have an attention to detail that I, I, I don't think you see in many other places in electrical or electric guitar luthery. Uh, there you go. There's there's my my overview for the listener. Would you, is that is that is that appropriate? Yeah, I'd say that's a fairly fair summary. Um, I I think it's the way that it's shifted in the past couple of years, and it has been quite meteoric really the the rate at which things have shifted sometimes i feel and uh, this is because i can't help but just get something into my brain and i just have to keep sort of pulling it until until it goes as far as it can go or or i run out of things to pull you know um and it's so the way that it's shifted a little bit is I, I've shifted more towards it being, I guess, more ergonomically minded than fully ergonomic instruments. Right, I see. Um, and it's it's kind of, it's trying to get this perfect balance between, well, balance for one thing, of the actual instrument. You've got the, the playability, which all comes down to the ergonomics, the access, which is why we always do... I always try and make the access up the neck very comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, and just the, the it's a little bit hard to, to, but almost the sort of muse nature of it, the way that you want to look at an instrument and you want to be inspired by it and you want to pick it up and you want to play it and you want to, you know, you want it to have a song in it. Right, right. Is what I, I really want. So even though they are... I know my instruments are not cheap, but I want them to be instruments that people feel inspired and they write fantastic music on. Uh-huh. I see that. Well, that's you know that's a fantastic kind of theory to have. I guess backing up the uh, before you before you even start building to just have that as the thing that you focus on to get started on everything. I mean, the the guitars do have an, a very very unique look to them listener if you're not familiar i I thoroughly recommend you know obviously visit sbcguitars.co.uk to check them out because i don't know if i'd really correctly be able to explain them because the the body shapes don't really lean on any conventions that have come before not for traditional guitars or um or even really for modern guitars and i would say when it even when it comes to things like it's it's like you've made guitars from the scratch from scratch again without any uh, without any influence coming through or any restrictions. So I think that applies to things like size as well, because often your guitars are quite uh, quite small, like very small, lightweight. Um, yeah, that that kind of that was something we were very keen on early on, and we we've moved away from the trying to keep them so small now, but we still try and keep them fit very comfortable. They're almost like. They should fit almost like they should pocket into you or something. I see. Regardless of how you want to play them. So I've always tried to design the ergonomic of what, you know, what a customer wants to achieve first. And then we design the aesthetic around it. I see. So you so you design you design instruments obviously from from the absolute blank piece of paper scratch for custom builds for people. But you do have um, a, a sort of a set number of body shapes that you also offer as kind of a a um, 
you know, as a as a start a jumping off point. Yeah, I mean, how it tends to go when people order with me is it's usually they've seen something that they like on my Instagram feed or whatever. Um, but because of the nature of what I can offer and because of the nature of, I think, people having you know full control to to suggest what they want and you know and it's a very interactive process process because i want to design the right instrument for someone and i want them almost to take the lead to an extent with what they want um and you know and i'll suggest things around the ergonomics and the comfort and the aesthetic of it overall uh-huh. uh, but it will be it's very customer led so quite so most of the commissions that i've got on at the moment they're not purely my design they're sort of almost designed with the customer and they are their variants on our cygnus build we've got you know or their variants on our vega builds mm-hmm. but with their own tweakings and it won't generally be anything with the ergonomics because i tend to find people leave that side of it alone it will be you know a little bit of an aesthetic tweak and just a little bit of personalization to them Uh, and i think that's a lovely thing to be able to offer as well because you're building a completely unique instrument for someone yeah yeah absolutely and i guess we will come on to that a little bit with the with the bases later and probably the you know the 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 falcon base um that you recently designed because i think that's a great example of an instrument that seems to have been something that was very much a collaborative um build but i think before we go into that i kind of want to talk about sort of where it started the first models that you introduced and i guess how you feel the range has progressed as you've introduced different models but almost before i even go into that as we've spoken about you know things like the ergonomics uh you know the 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 body size all of these things that you're considering um the it, it it even comes down to the type of woods that you use um where you you are not limited by you know what what is expected of uh, of a guitar you you're very interesting and very artistic when it comes to to the woods because of course you use a lot of things like purple heart in there for it, it with an incredible uh skill you know used used as individual like as lines running through the guitar rather than you know anything more there's there's a there's a seems to be a lot that goes into the wood selection on on your guitars yeah for sure it's um i'm not super traditional with like tone woods and things like that and i'm not traditionally trained like i was never taught to build i learned to build from um growing up in a, a a house where there was no one that built anything but i inherited a load of my granddad's tools and he was a, a carpenter uh, and unfortunately i never got to meet him but we had loads of his tools and an old workbench and i was just fascinated by them so i would play with them and uh, you know that's how i know how to build things I see. and how I and you know getting into it I was just I, I do use traditional materials I use quite a bit of swamp ash um, and things like that but I'm not I don't feel that I don't feel that tied into the whole Tonewoods thing so I tend try and be a little bit more liberal with it and part of that is also that so around London, we have some fantastic trees that are constantly being taken down because people want to build horrible flat blocks everywhere. And these 
trees are beautiful historic things and if i can turn them into an instrument that someone's going to love and cherish for the rest of their life like there's a there's a lovely little feeling of a story in that yeah absolutely absolutely big fan big fan of that these the idea of using kind of reclaimed or wood with a story for a guitar that's uh that's you know that's a great way to make a unique and interesting instrument yeah, I, yeah, no, I, I think it is. I mean, I, I use a lot of reclaimed wood and I use a lot of stuff that's sort of been saved from the chipper. And mostly what I'll look at when I'm looking at woods is more about like the densities and the weights and how straight the grain is. I'm not so fussed about what the actual breed of it is. Generally, I'm a little bit, I try to avoid anything that's been shipped for miles and is on the you know on the cusp of being CITES listed or because I, I you know it, it's problematic for the future but also we have some fantastic woods on our doorstep that we can use uh-huh. and that that's all it comes down to and that's you know literally there's loads of wood that used to be pulled out of houses that you can use there's that whole build the reclaimed wood build that I did for the holy grail is is mostly house building material and that's like some beautiful old 1970s mahogany some brazilian mahogany from the victorian days so couldn't ship it anywhere unfortunately (laughs) but it's actually it's completely you know fairly ethically sourced and uh some old pine roof rafters for the for the top because i couldn't get hold of spruce amazing we we should talk in more detail about that actually about the because uh, you were you were asked to build a guitar for for this year's um it, it was it was this year's holy grail the last one yeah so we we would have been exhibiting in it and i, I think technically we are listed as exhibitors because mm-hmm. we we got into it um it, it was it was always a dream of mine and Hobbs. So Hobbs builds with me a couple of days a week and he uh but he's very instrumental in helping me out with like a lot of the jigs and a lot of the machining and a lot of the things that have made some of the crazy weird stuff we do possible really. Um and he is and so we'd always said when we started building together, we went to Holy Grail to visit a couple of times and we always said it was our goal to get into holy grail and to exhibit there uh and then when they announced that this year was going to be the last year we were like ah, we're not going to get him it's you know it's fine it's, it's cool we've learned a lot from going and visiting and then to get into the show and then for all this to kick off and for it to not end up happening <laughs> yeah was just a. Uh, it was funny to be honest. Like, <laughs> it was so way. close. <laughs> yeah, but you know, we still had a great time over that weekend. We, you know, we both got involved in a lot of the the things that they did because they put it all on Facebook. There was various chats mm. and meetups, and you know, I've ended up becoming a few a bit friendly with a few of the other builders that would have been there. Um, you know, we, we we you know chatted with. Uh, Jamie Swannell and Rosie from Turnstone. And then we've been able to chat with Jacko from um, Ricker's Guitars and get to know some of the organisers all through doing all this stuff online. And that's been amazing. I got a very brief chat with Michael Spolt as well on um, through, through Zoom, which was quite cool, and got to quiz him about some of his designs, which was wow. amazing. Because I, I, I'll fully admit, like... I love his designs, but I don't understand the half of them. And getting 
getting that little glimpse behind the curtains was amazing and just opened me up to a whole new world of possibilities that I'm sure I shall run in at some point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fantastic. But the um, the that Holy Grail guitar you built, obviously a, a reclaimed wood instrument, was was in was incredible. I mean, it was a fantastic work of art, like even for you, sort of thing. I think it was. Um, it had some incredibly interesting design features that seemed to not necessarily move away from the ergonomic backbone of your guitar builds, but um, seemed more artistically driven than anything else. Yeah, it, it, it's. I love that build, and it's one of the guitars that I I go to, and I've actually had offers on it, and I, I've kind of refuse them because i don't really want to let it go i'm not ready to let it go yet (laughs) um but i think what i love about that instrument it's almost like doing a custom order Uh um, in that you've got restrictions on it you've got limitations on what you can do and you've got you know you've got to use certain materials and Mm -hmm. you know getting hold of bits of wood big enough to make a guitar body out of as a reclaimed i get loads of reclaimed wood but most of it i use for necks so it had to become really resourceful and i managed to i was i was hunting around in my parents loft uh, and i found these bits of old countertop that i was told was a victorian countertop that granddad had pulled out of a, a, a place that he'd he'd pulled down and I was like, oh, that's, have you got plans for this? No? Cool. I'm having this. <laughs> and just just disappeared off with it. And I'd gone, like, I'd, I'd been sort of trudging around, um, you know, various skips and furniture yards and things like that and just trying to find the right bit, you know, a, a table with a thick enough top or something oh, like that. Oh, that's incredible. What, you didn't think of that as being the method to finding reclaimed wood. That's incredible. Yeah, well, but I couldn't find it, unfortunately. <laughs> it wasn't until just purely by chance, I think I was helping my dad out with something and I stumbled across these three bits of Brazilian mahogany and I've still got enough for a couple of tops or something similar to the Cygnus, right. but it was thin. So it restricted you. And I had this idea in my head of making this semi hollow instrument. Cause it's, I love semi hollow instruments and I don't get to build them very much because a lot of what I build is for the like more high output, high gain sort of genty prog metal stuff. Yeah. And actually I really like building semi hollows they are a lot of fun to build. And I love just sitting and twanging away on one. And so I had to be a bit clever and I sort of layered up a couple of these panels to make the um, body out of. I didn't have a, normally I would always do a through neck, but I didn't have that option with this one. So I did a um, set neck. Nice. And then because it was quite small and we sort of, we were thinking about how we could, A, where we could get some spruce from to do the top. So it had like an acoustic response. And B, how we could then amplify that. So we ended up getting, I ended up finding this place that had all these Victorian raft, uh, uh, um, not rafters, what do you call them? Kind of like rafters, like joists in right, ceiling, okay. ceiling joists. Um, so I bought a load of them. I bought about 16 foot of them. Right so that I could search through them, plane them up on one side each and just search through them and find the perfect bit of wood 
to make the top out of. And I, I, I confess I didn't really find the perfect bit I would. I ended up using three pieces that were the least knotty. Right. Uh, just to try and get that sort of quarter-sawn spruce look to it. And then we had a solid centre block, and we thought, well, we can amplify the volume a little bit if we put some little reeds in the instrument. So we made, I made these very fine reeds. They're completely unremovable that are just in the body of the instrument that when you strum it, you get just much more volume out of it than you would do if it if they weren't in there so although it's quite a small instrument we were able to like pack that extra bit of punch in it and then we you know we can have a bit of fun with where we did the uh the sound holes so the sound holes are sort of architecturally built into the the, the edges of the top yeah and yeah, so it very much looks like the top of the guitar is coming away on one side yeah yeah which is something that I, I I suspect I'd probably seen somebody else do it and thought that looks cool, but you know I put it you know put it all together in in this one thing and it's a multi scale because that's kind of what I do now. You, you're definitely moving more. To, yeah, a lot yeah. of the stuff seems to be multi scale these days. Uh, I think when I uh, borrowed a handful of guitars from you. The one I liked the most was the one that wasn't multi-scale, but I think that was because I'm not very used to multi-scale. So, uh. Yeah, that 24-inch that guitar, I've still got that, and it pains oh, me that nice. I still have that. It's so good. It's so good because that was – it was neck, neck like a baseball bat, through yep. neck, quite deep, like very deep in comparison to the other guitars that you make. It's probably only as thick as a Telecaster, but felt deep when you were playing other – uh, SBC guitars alongside it, small body, really interesting F hole idea because well hole idea because they were they're literally just the circular um, sort of patterned holes of different shapes. Yeah, um, yeah, a great guitar. I, I what I loved about that guitar was the fact that it had a huge neck for something that was so small and lightweight. And I don't expect that from modern luthiers. I expect everything to be very skinny and very flat. I, uh, I I like a chunky neck myself. Uh, yeah. I, I grew up playing Ibanezes. I don't know how I ended up making guitars with quite chunky necks by comparison, but I, I've always found when I play, you know, it, I still got my Ibanezes because I love them, but I don't really play them. And when I do, my hand feels so sore afterwards. <laughs> right. Yeah. And this is why we so the, what we tend to do is these asymmetric necks which I think you probably did try one of the early mm. asymmetric net ones. but I think be... I did, yeah. I absolutely did. The um, Oh, uh, yeah, the SB3, the original. The SB3. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we similar sort of thing. So we do them a bit chunkier at the top and thinner at the bottom, so you get the feel of it being a thin neck and not having any material sort of too much under your thumb, but you've still got a nice anchor for the back of your thumb, right. or you can wrap it over quite nicely and go sort of bluesy style and you still get a very versatile instrument yeah it was definitely incredibly comfortable the idea of the asymmetric neck i think works very well from a from a comfort perspective yeah i it i i like it we we again we offer all sorts i i, I will make however people want me to make their necks um but that i find works really well and it's one of those things that you have a few on guitars at shows and people are like oh 
oh, this neck, what's what's going on there? <laughs> and then they sit and play it for a bit. And then it sort of, hopefully it slowly breaks them and they end up having to order. <laughs> well, it is. They certainly don't feel like I expect them to. You know, I expect a certain thing from, from you know, modern guitars. And I, I think this gives, this is very different. It has, everything has very much its own feel. But coming coming back to the Holy Grail guitar, because there's still there's still so much to it. I love how the scratch plate is is mounted on top of the the area of the top that raises away to reveal the you know the the sound holes at the end of the body. So you get this kind of this layered lower bout to the guitar. I, I mean, listener, it's impossible for me to descri- describe that. And then you have the controls and everything mounted into the top layer of that. Yeah, that was meant to fly. That was almost meant to like be like a piece that was peeling up, and I could never mm. figure out how to get that right. And then with it being so thin, and with it having those reeds in it, and I also wanted to put a push pull in it. I ended up putting that sort of stepped bit into it, mm-hmm. so that I just had enough room to get the electronics in <laughs> neatly. <laughs> right. um, so that was a bit of an afterthought, the stepped bit. But actually, a lot of people said they really liked that, I and it really just added a nice it. break in it. Yeah, ex- yeah, exactly how you said, like curving up. It, it's like uh, it's like pages uh, in in a book on that side. It's it's a really good like as an as a sort of from an aesthetic perspective, it's a really nice feature on that guitar. Um, oh, thank you. Oh, not at all. One one of the other things I think on this guitar, which is something that you've brought in in a lot of your other guitars, is that obviously they're so wood focused. There isn't a lot of metal on uh, on a lot of your instruments, and you you sometimes make your own bridges, design your own your own bridge construction, which again is not what I'd expect from a modern instrument, because what you do is make them simple whereas i think a lot of modern bridges are all about being able to micro adjust things for you know, intonation purposes but you'll make almost traditional floating style bridges um even on the on on the holy grail one e- even more interestingly is you, you've sort of done it as a half through body construction because they string through the top but not the not the or part of the top it's almost cut away from the it's the is the top and part of the body underneath and you've got this like copper piping that runs up for the strings to run through yeah so the the, the copper piping there's there's no function to that other than i just wanted it i just wanted to put a little bit more metal into it visually it doesn't it you can remove it and it has no difference to the sound whatsoever really um it's just there for uh, i it does make it a little bit easier to string it uh-huh. uh and but otherwise i just kind of put it put that in there aesthetically because i just liked the look of this slightly I hate to say it, but this slightly steampunky copper piping coming out of the wood. Um, And also with the inlay on the fretboard, that's the same copper piping that we used for some of the various sort of star points on the inlay. So it kind of just tied it together quite nicely. Um, But yeah, like different things like that, that sort of partially through body anchor was something we've been experimenting with for a while. And something that I found really interesting with doing that was that the, I I like the bone saddle thing on a electric instrument because it, it's not 
like there's no more I, I couldn't hear any more or less sustain versus a you know a conventional uh sort of metal bridge uh -huh. what i do think it has is it has a really nice warm bass response and what i did find which was really interesting was with changing the material that anchored the strings actually changed changed the sound quite a bit and i didn't really expect that because in my head <laughs> all of the sound pretty much comes between the start of the nut or the fretted string right. and yeah. the saddle. You don't really think of sound coming from behind the nut or behind the saddle or, no, sure. you know, even to the anchor. Um, and to have that, you know, the different material change that. So originally we did steel and we swapped it out for brass and it just warmed it all up quite a bit, surprisingly. Wow. Um, so although there's like there's it, it's a bit of bone at the end and then it's a nut, uh, sorry, then it's a brass anchor and then it goes through the body and then it goes over the saddle. So they're quite there's quite a lot going on there, even though yeah. it looks simple. Yeah, I guess there's quite a lot of contact as well, which is going to which is going to help. Yeah, and then the the bridge itself is just positioned, so that is. We'd done them in the past where we'd done them where they were screwed on. We'd position them and then we'd screw them on. Uh, but I wanted to leave that one loose just in case, you know, for minor intonation adjustments. But uh, I've found the intonation on that really well. But that the intonation is set by me. Right. In a very long winded way of me sitting there with a file, tuning it up, going, nah, that's not quite right. And just doing micro adjustments to the angle to get it right on the actual bone. Right. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a lot of attention to detail. It's a lot of work for a little bit more bass response. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, I guess it is. The, the back of the guitar, I think, is almost the most surprising thing with this instrument as well, because whilst it's, whilst it's flat on the top, it's not on the back. No. No, it's got a... I don't know if there's a name for the style of carve. Again, I'm not... I'm not so traditionally minded so i don't know or trained so i don't know if they have a name but it's got a very there's almost no carve to the top there actually is a very subtle one but it looks like there's almost no carve to the to the sort of the top of the back as it were and then it drops off quite steeply by about an in uh, by about a centimeter about 1.2 i think it is uh, and then it sort of flattens out at the edge and it was just again to get uh i wanted to get that that feeling of the slim finish to it and overall i think the guitar i'd meant to grab it before i came in to my front room <laughs> um it comes out at about 38 mil right. the body wow. okay so there's not much in it at all but i wanted it to feel like it was like you know almost there was almost nothing to it at the 
There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. The edges. So yeah. that it just doesn't dig in. It doesn't have too many sharp corners or curves. And to be honest, I just wanted it to be a bit flash because it's the Holy Grail guitar show. <laughs> well, that's it, isn't it? Yeah. I was already Every... nervous about it. <laughs> <laughs> so you want to take the best, put your best foot forward, really. Who, who did you go for pickups-wise in that guitar? Oh, um, no, I didn't. I wound them myself. Oh, did you? Oh, cool. Yeah. Because you've used, you've used Oil City quite a lot in the past. Yeah, um, yeah. Do you, I, do you have like a brand that you stick to, or, or do you just mix it up? The t- my two go tos are um, I, I well, I use lace. I used to use lace quite a lot, but I haven't had many requests for them so much. So my go tos tend to be uh, I use Oil City, and I use a guy called ERS, who's a Turkish uh, pickup winder, and he does custom wound stuff. And he also does like the wood bobbins and things like that. So uh, his pickups are stunning. To, like the, they're just lovely, beautiful sounding pickups. And he does a you know a really nice job doing like the wooden bobbins and things Which like I that. Which I guess is important because you really do try and you know bring that sort of wood look throughout your instruments. Yeah, and I, I it, I'm less attached to the whole wooden bobbins thing now myself, but it's still a nice looking thing and you know it's we get custom orders where people ask for wooden bobbins and things like that because it looks quite sbc still so yeah for sure yeah and i've just started well i've got a set of lundgrens going on to a commission which i'm really excited to hear because they're the m7s so i'm really excited to to plug them in and play them and because i think well my sugar used the m7s but also um Oh, I forget his name. Um, the guy from Mars Volta used them for a while as well. Oh, Rodriguez Lopez? Yes, I believe so, yeah. Did he? Wow, I did not know that. Well, it says that on their website, but I oh. could have misread that. No, no, no. I'll, uh, I, I, I'll admit there must be at least a, there must be a couple of things that I don't know about Omar Rodriguez Lopez, so maybe that's one of them. I, I would <laughs> say it's fairly plausible that somebody uh, as exacting as himself has probably tried quite a few pickups. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> it, it's how generous you want to be with saying that they're a user or not. I don't know, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. If that makes sense. Okay, well, let's let's. I, I guess let's talk about the the guitar that kind of started it all. I want to like know about how you've ended up at this point because certainly it feels obviously we'll get onto that but it, it feels like a um sbc are in a, in a process of 
uh, of sort of de- development or change at the moment. So I kind of want to hear about the the first guitar. What what got you started? What was the first model? Uh, yeah, I mean, depends how far you want to go back. I, I... <laughs> well, I guess the the first model maybe that started this range because you in your in your series um, now have you changed the names of the models now? So it's no longer the SB three, SB four, SB seven, etc. Yeah, so most of the original models we've sort of sidelined. Um, right. The SB three, uh, SB seven is the only one that we're taking forward, and we've changed that to the Libra, right? Uh, because it's the whole premise around the SB seven is like the absolute perfect balance that you can get from an instrument. So, and, and in the case yeah. of the SB seven, it's a very small body shape. Um, yeah, we've upped it a little bit since. So we the very original SB7s were tiny and they were about 30 mil thick as well and you could almost punch through them if you weren't careful. <laughs> right, I see. Yeah, um, and we've upped them a bit since and particularly is that we've done a few more like extended range versions of them and things like that so we've had to up them a bit uh i mean the first proper model was our s was the sb3 um they i did which is which is kind of a um a sort of a, a modern telly it's a single cut shape that's got a squarer body so i'm using the the closest instrument from convention for listeners who might be unfamiliar it it was originally meant to be a telly it was um the very first guitar i built was this obnoxious horrible thing that i designed when i was 16 and it was like if a bc rich and a bar table mated and and spawned (laughs) i see yeah it it wasn't it it it, where it came from is i had this the first electric guitar that i had was this cheap nasty hamer slammer that i absolutely love and still have today and the first thing that i did with it being the person that i am it had a floyd rose on it and the first thing i did with it is i completely dismantled it and looked at it in its assembled parts and then put it back together uh, and this is this is before the before having great internet signal or anything like that. I just <laughs> put it back together as a sixteen year old on my bedroom floor and managed to put it back together with a new set of strings on it and and it worked fine. And you know, I I, I must have put it back together correctly. But um, <laughs> well, well done. I'm sure the intonation <laughs> was shocking. Uh, uh, and that sort of started me off really because it was just looking at that guitar and I, I like stupid. Strats. I've still got a couple and I've still got a lot of time for them. And it was looking at these super strats and thinking, this is cool. Why isn't this bit cut away here? Or why isn't it smaller? Why why does an electric guitar have to weigh as much as it does when the fundamental sound comes from the strings and the pickup? Right. And that's all where it came from. And somewhere out of this, I designed this horrible BC Rich looking thing that was surprisingly comfortable to sit with and play. And then the next one from that was a Strat, a not Strat, a Tele, um, where I tried to use a router for the first time and made a horrible job of it and ended up cutting the body down the center and bolting it, basically bolting a fence post in between it. And thus the first wow. through body <laughs> SBC guitar was born. <laughs> 
great. And great. from from that, it was then the the next guitar I built was the SB3. So it was only the third guitar I built was the SB3, and it was the nice. first. It was the first good guitar that I built, and it in in retrospect, it wasn't very good. But you know, it was very playable. It it was comfortable it was neck divey as anything because the first sb3s before the one that you got they were had an even shorter body so like i think the fret the strap button was over like the 19th fret so as soon as you it's over the 12th now so it's it's yeah quite quite functionally placed yeah yeah but as soon as you let go it just hit the floor you know (laughs) yeah um and but it was lightweight and it was really comfortable and it was thin and it was resonated well for a solid instrument and that's kind of where it started from really i see i see but you're choosing not to take the sb3 through into the into the new line of guitars i will still do it to order and i have still got that sb3 and i kind of decided to keep it because i just i i like it and it feels like the i mean the one that you that you had um because that was the sort of second generation sb3 it was a bit bigger the balance was a bit nicer it was still a little bit headstock heavy but it was much nicer than the original sb3 design Mm -hmm. and it feels like a really nice update of uh, almost like a modern revision of a telly with a, a you know a smaller body thinner lighter still really resonant still got a lot of punch and still ultimately a workhorse instrument because that's kind of all I ever wanted to build I know right. that I've kind of got away with that from that a little bit with some of the inlays and weird and wonderful things I've been doing but ultimately I still just want to build instruments that people want to play yeah yeah absolutely and that's you know that's very much something i've tried to keep sight of yeah yeah i guess it's a it's especially when you're you're making things that are you know whilst i appreciate obviously as we've stated a million times on this ergonomics are the centerfold of everything they are very artistic instruments and so i guess to to kind of it's a fine line to tread to keep that balance to make sure you're always focusing on the uh the usability and the playability of the instrument along with you know putting <laughs> all these sort of squiggly lines of purple heart through everything <laughs> <laughs> but um but so so i guess moving forward you, you've so the the range moving forward is now going to have the lyra and the vega those are going to be the two the two core models moving forward in the guitar line of things i think probably the core models at the moment are the cygnus well the cygnus is doing pretty well at the moment because we've sold um we've done a few commissions off the back of that since holy grail which is nice um and then the vega is also very popular sort of eye-catching instrument and then the lyra is moving a little bit more towards doing something that's a little bit more classically shaped the lyra is definitely exactly what i was going to say definitely more more traditional in its shape and more sort of, uh, you know, comparatively. And again, you know, it, it's always tricky when I, I don't have a body shape as reference for listeners who might not be familiar. But the Vega is um, has a very oversized top horn in order, I guess, to level out with the 12th mm. fret so that it, it, it sits in in the right place, which is, you know, I guess, the opposite way round from how you're used to looking at guitars. 
Um, and then with a, a kind of a really extreme cutaway on sort of the the lower uh, the lower belt that sits furthest away from you. So the the guitar's angled in an unusual way and is very much its own shape. Whereas the Lyra is kind of um, it's a bit more conventional, a bit more sort of moving into SG territory. Um, yeah, so it, it's meant to be a sort of offset SG, essentially, right. like a smaller, slightly smaller bodied, similar sort of like, you know, fairly thin, um, but like essentially a, an offset SG, but with that, we call it the, in, uh, the inside leg cutaway, uh-huh. so that you still get that bit of ergonomic flair on it that just encourages you to sit it on well, it doesn't encourage... Well, yeah, it kind of does encourage you to sit it on your inside leg. I see. The reason being is it is meant to be better for you. It's meant to be better for your posture. It's meant to be better for your playing position. Sort of gets you sitting upright a little bit more. But the other thing that's really cool about that inside leg cutaway is if you're playing live, you put your leg up on the the PA system or whatever, you can put that guitar right on your other leg and look absolutely awesome <laughs> doing it. There you go. That's what it all comes down to, really. Whether you yeah. can, uh, whether the guitar can stand in your leg when you're when you're on a PA. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. I'm into yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And uh, and then you know the the bass thing. Let's talk about the bass thing as well because recently. Um, Obviously, and, and uh, I got to try out at the guitar show. You've made the uh, the Falcon bass, um, and certainly bass has always been kind of a core element of your range of guitars as well. Well, yeah, and I mean, you got to play the very first bass that I built, actually. Which was I think. the little, the short scale was like a yeah. Was it, was it even thirty inch scale? Was it yeah. slightly less than that? It was thirty inch. It's a thirty inch set neck bass uh it was it had originally been a through neck bass and i'd i hadn't really liked the original through neck uh, it be, i hadn't really liked the woods that i'd used <laughs> so, so I'd, I'd cut those off and um turned it into a a set neck and we'd got this beautiful solid bit of sapili ribbon sapili and just set it in and it it worked really nicely and it had that nice sort of thump that a short scale should have i think and just a nice response to it and again really comfortable really fun um and again i always feel a little bit happy about it when i can say that actually that was an instrument that sold as well and we sold from it so it was obviously we were on the right sort of direction particularly we don't sell stock guitars so to actually Mm. sell a stock guitar is always quite exciting yeah, yeah, absolutely. I guess it's it's a confirmation that you're going down the right track with yeah. the model. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I think as well with bassists, though, is that I've always found bassists to be a bit more open-minded about the ergonomics and about the shape. And that's I don't, that's not really quite the, the wording I'd like to use. But I can't quite think of the wording. But I think the guitarists, there's a little bit more set in stone about what what ergonomics and what shape a guitar should be. Whereas I don't think I don't think bass has quite had that history. And I no. think then you've had some great people like Warwick that have come in and have sort of redesigned it periodically and, and gone, well, why does a bass have to be just a bigger version of 
a guitar and sort of played around with the ergonomics and the size and the shape and come up with some cool stuff. And I think they've set the groundwork really nicely for little people like me to come in much later on and go, oh, well, this is cool. Let's make it headless and fan fret and let's put in all these weird little cutaways and have some fun with it. Yeah, yeah. I guess I guess you're you're absolutely right about that about Warwick kind of being responsible for a big you know, redefinition in what a bass was that maybe didn't quite happen so much in the guitar in the guitar world as everything you know even modern really kept on a sort of super strat format. Yeah. Whereas Warwick very much invented their own thing. So in the, in the case of the Falcon, you've gone. So the the one that the one that I got to play and see, and I guess the first one that you made, which was a um, which was a signature model, which was designed for Calvert Stevens. That's right. Um, and so this this was a this was a headless and and was would, was this your first headless build of a guitar or bass? No, I think well it was my first headless bass. Uh, it it wasn't my first headless build. I've done a few by that point, but not right. a huge amount. It's always something I've wanted to do, and it's always something I've wanted to do for stock because they always get, like, particularly at guitar shows, you do tend to get a lot of sort of headless fans. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I like a headless. I like the feel of a headless, but I don't overly like a lot of headless instruments that are out there. I see. Um, because they're always... I'm not a big fan of the ones that are just like a super strat without a headstock because it just, it, it, it sets off. It sets me off. I go a bit twitchy. <laughs> right. Um, and then I, 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 it was Cal's idea to put a sort of mini headstock on it. And with right. the smaller body and then this slightly mini headstock on it with the headless on it, it just looked more balanced like like aesthetically it looked right to me to have that on there and i, I, I think guess... it's a really unique feature um you know it's a really unique idea it makes it it makes it look different from from other headless guitars is there a reason behind this the the string ends being in different places at the at the head yeah the actually the with the head with the fan fret it's typically you sort of move the strings a little bit in um right so putting the retainers at uh, sort of staggered spacing means that there's no clash between them and well that was part of the why we ended up also doing the headless shape a little bit because it just gave a little bit more room to play around with that and have a bit more fun with that without anything being too near the edge I see. Yeah, that makes that makes loads of sense. And in in this case, obviously, as we said, it's a six string fan fretted. Is the is the is the Falcon? Is this body shape going to become? Is this part of the standard line that will be moving forward? Yeah. So the 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 Falcon is specifically is uh, uh, Cal's signature instrument. The actual the body shape is. A, it's just a variant of the S Base One, the original uh, SB One uh, SBC guitars. I, base. I can see that. I think it's just that it's yeah. a six string. It <laughs> makes it look so different. Yeah, and because it was headless, we we moved the the shoulders in a little bit because it didn't need to worry about the balance so much. Because headless don't tend to be so 
front heavy anyway. Um, and, you know, we were able to sort of combine things down. With his one, there is so much electronics going on inside that bass that it makes my brain hurt to think about ever having to wire another one again. But, you know, <laughs> hopefully, if it, you know, hopefully, as and when someone goes for one, they'll go for a simpler internals um, what, what because... was going on with that then because it's it's a pair of bartolini's right so it's and it's just nine volt it's not 18 or anything is it, it? no it's 18 volt it is um, 18 right? yeah it's 18 volt it's a pair it's a bartolini singularity at the neck and a quad core at the bridge and then it's got the clean boost buffer in there uh-huh. right which is uh, it's not a huge amount uh, of wiring in that but then it also had a three band eq with a stacked mid and then we put in a three-way switch on the quad so that it could be single phase and outer phase <laughs> right so i see there was a lot and it's because it's a smaller body instrument there was a lot to fit into that <laughs> that lower cavity yeah without making it completely hollow i can imagine it was uh, i i have literally done that on a base uh, before because it is the problem there's always that balance with doing a smaller body instrument and trying to fit in everything that a customer wants and i had a commission base before that which was uh, again it was another multi-scale five string and i ended up doing the whole bottom of the body hollow to fit in again the ridiculous amount of electronics that that customer wanted he also then wanted disco lights in the top section so i ended up making that hollow as well so we could put the disco lights in and a uh, a built-in tuner into it a built-in chromatic tuner <laughs> absolutely ridiculous oh wow that is a built-in tuner that's not not content to have it on his pedal board i see no mm. I, I i loved it though it was it was so <laughs> cool and it was it's different fine. Yeah. yeah, it's so it's so ridiculous. It's brilliant. Yeah, I'm I'm totally game. I'm totally into that. Yeah. Um, what about uh you know, we're coming up to the end of this week's Friday special, but what about um I guess, you know, what's next or do you do you have a is there an exciting build that you're working on at the moment? There's two really exciting commissions that I'm working on. Um that I I I'd like to talk about a little bit is yeah, I I'm working on a Cygnus signature model for a guy called Charlie Newbury, who's um, who's a solo artist and he's another student at BIM as well because I'm collecting them. And (laughs) he and Cal are actually friends, so they've sort of... I don't know if you're aware, but Cal recorded a bunch of videos for me uh, for my YouTube as like sort of official videos as part of my, as part of the sort of trade with him becoming a, a sort of signature artist, if you I like. See. And he did one using some of my instruments with Charlie. Uh, and that was just so much fun to watch. It's called, I think it's called Sunday or Sunshine. Uh, anyway, it's on my YouTube and it's amazing bit of proggy sort of funk metal uh-huh. uh, and it's a lot of fun 
And he got in touch with me and I met up with him in Birmingham at the show and he sat and played the Cygnus for 40 minutes and kind of fell in love with the shape and the feel of it and approached me about doing a, a seven string. So I'm doing a seven string Cygnus for him with, it's, it's fairly straightforward actually, but it's got a resin set top. Uh, so it's got, uh, it's a little bit different. It's a... Um, you've probably seen them about because there's a few people using them now, but it's by a guy called Tobias who does these resin burls where he injects resin into them and you get these crazy colours going through oh, it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. so yeah. this one's maple and it's got this green going through it and, you know, that's going to be part of his thing. It's got, uh, again, it's a headless, so it's got a similar sort of shape headstock to the one that we did for Cal um, and that will be the sort of, the the noob headstock and of course for no real reason it's got a velociraptor inlaid on the neck <laughs> that's great you never you never have to answer for a velociraptor that's fine no yeah and a special thank you to matt from fidelity for helping me uh get that inlaid oh really wow. yeah ah <laughs> uh, yes the there's sort of the interrelationships of the uk guitar community everyone knows everyone it's a lovely community as well it is. it is a really lovely by and large a really lovely community where people are generally pretty good and willing to help you out as long as you're decent and respectful yeah, uh, yeah. the other builds i've got on i've got two more um customs that i'm really keen about uh, and another two in the pipeline as well which is awesome the other custom that i'm really excited about is a variant on the cygnus right. uh, and it's a double cut version of the cygnus and i think that's going to be a really exciting shape because we've never that really done cool. yeah it, and it's quite a, it's fairly that's it's almost going to be the most conventional thing yeah almost I'm, yeah i'm into the idea i'm into to seeing what you do with that top horn on the on the cygnus model yeah, I haven't put out much about it yet because I, I want to get it to a stage of either fairly complete or completely complete. Right. Um, the other thing that's kind of weird about this one is that it's a uh, it's a floating bridge, but it's still a multi-scale and it's a headless. So it's it's a whole host of new things <laughs> in one. <laughs> great, that's great. You've, you've got to catch them all, I guess. Yeah, and then the other thing that we're doing as well which I, I'm not doing so much. I, I've I've delegated this, but we've got uh, five new stock build bases on their way. So, you know, hopefully at some point we can start doing more like proper base shows and getting a little bit more base involved once we've got a bit more base stock available. Because at the moment we've only got one and it's a short scale left-hander that no one's really ever been that keen on so oh, yeah. yeah well that sounds that sounds fantastic and that's definitely something that you know we'd love to uh you know to get hold of one of and and try it out and talk about it on the podcast because as uh we, we, we're just we've just recorded the um um the the pilot episode as it were of bass guitar nerds which would be a new a, a new show that we're running in addition to guitar nerds i've got a whole new team of lovely hosts for that one so i don't have to have any of the other lot on there so uh so yeah so you know it, it would be great to review them and talk about them on on that show when when uh, they're about and when bass guitar nerds is about 
I saw that. I saw you announce that today, and I, I have to say I'm very excited about that. Oh yeah, it's going to be good. Oh, bass guitar nerds, I think. Um, I think when actually when this episode airs, um, it, it, oh, in fact, the pilot will just have come out. Yes, <laughs> listener. Yes, when you the, the pilot will have aired a couple of days prior to this episode. So I hope you enjoyed it. As you know, if you haven't checked it out yet, we we've got um our uh, our two new hosts are uh, Naomi McLeod and JD Short. JD Short was actually on our our NAM podcast back in 2018, but Naomi is is new to the podcast. Both fantastic bass players, way better than me, and both have very much their own individual and unique style of bass. So I think I've I've actually whereas, you know, the normal guitar nerds hosts are, you know, a bunch of sort of hurtling towards 40 guys obsessed with telecasters. I've actually <laughs> I've actually put together a team that represent the bass community a little bit better for this. So yeah, so Stuart, I will look forward to checking out your basses on the on the bass guitar show. That would be great. Yeah, well, I very much hope that I'll have one, at least one of them finished by the end of the year. So <laughs> I, I'd absolutely, as you can, just, I've never been in a position where I've had so many custom commission orders. That's the place uh, you want to be. We, it, it's been fantastic. And I, I do have to say thank you to all those people for, for entrusting me to help them sort of fulfill their dream, really. Um but it's it's a lovely place to be, but it does mean that I've had to step back some of the stock. And in some ways, it's the stock stuff that I love doing because that's yeah. where I get to... You've got the freedom. Yeah. I, I love how the the custom commission stuff pushes me, but I love the stock stuff. I can take some of those ideas and run with them for a bit. Sl- slightly less stressful, I guess. You know, you, you you can sort of see how something goes and then if you're, if you're not liking it halfway through, you can change it. You know, whereas I think you you're I guess more working towards an end goal with a mm. with with something for a customer. Yeah, I mean that, or you can cut a body out the wrong way round and have to change it anyway. So, <laughs> yeah, sure, yes, yeah, yeah. I imagine that is uh, it's the case. Well, uh, that's about all the time we have for this week's episode of the Friday Special. It's been absolutely wonderful having you on, Stuart. Thanks very much for taking the time to chat with us. Well, thank you so much for having me, man. It's been an absolute pleasure. It has been great. And you can, of course, um, check out Stuart's incredible guitars at sbguitars.co.uk or, you know, on Instagram. It's such a wonderful range of photos on there. So sbc underscore guitars on Instagram. Go and check those out. And uh, you can, of course, catch more guitar nerds over on our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash guitar nerds or join us on any of the major social platforms with at guitar nerds. And we'll be back next week with our regular episode on Wednesday and another Friday special on Friday. Friday. We'll catch you then for more of this guitar nerdery. Farewell! ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. 
The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com. <laughs> 